I was told that I was going to die in prison. And a lot of my friends were taken out in body bags. The heat down here in the Texas prisons, unbelievable. And at the beginning of the year, we would kind of pick and choose, you know, this guy's not going to make it. This guy's not going to make it. And then right there at the end, my name was on the list. And it was like, it was a horrible experience. Being able to write such things, being able to get the emotion out is what clears your mind so that that way you can focus and do what needs to be done. And Prisoner Express was huge in helping me to be able to go beyond this, to be able to understand that there is hope. There are people that care. I'm Monica Sandresky, and this is In Between Places. Today, a sort of pen pal program connects people who are incarcerated through books, poetry, art, chess, math, and journaling. And it all started with one man and one letter. Prisoner Express is a project under the Center for Transformative Action at Cornell University. It's an organization that helps people who have ideas for innovative social change through mentorship, workshops, and doing the bookkeeping so these social entrepreneurs can focus on their visions. It's a safe place for visionaries like Gary Fine of Prisoner Express to test their initiatives and bring them to fruition. And Gary is on the move. You can just try to keep up with him. And what you see on the shelf here are programs from the previous cycle. He's got shaggy gray hair and a beard and is wearing baggy beach shorts and Hawaiian shirt. And he lives and breathes Prisoner Express. Could you? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm scattered. I'm going all over with many different things, right. and I can start at the beginning and just give you whatever you want. That would be great. But very, very yes. first, can you just yes describe what we're looking at right now, like the the physics. So we're in the like Dur- we're in the Durland Alternatives Library, and we took some shelves and we created a little corner in the southeast corner of the library we have these bookshelves facing out but on the inside of the bookshelves facing out is a little cubby and in this little cubby of about 10 feet by 12 feet we have thousands of envelopes and books that are donated for prisoners and this is like command central for prisoner express all our supplies are here Command Central, as he calls it. Every year, Gary and a team of volunteers receive tens of thousands of letters from prisoners. They send out books and write letters, put together journal writing programs and poetry and chess and math packets, and it's all run out of this 10-foot by 10-foot corner of the library. Gary says it started about 15 years ago. When this program first began... It was just for me simply mailing one package of books to an individual in prison who let me know that reading, writing were what kept him sane, that all he was allowed was a paper, pencil, and books, and that and that, that was his window to the world and what kept him sane. And after a while, I was so moved by that, after a while I'm mailing things to 20, 30 people, books, and they were all writing the same thing, and they all wrote, wrote I'm going crazy, I hate everybody around me, Mail is the most important thing in my life, and I can't show my feelings to anybody because if I do, um, I'll be taken advantage of. Any act of kindness, any act of, of compassion will be seen as weakness. Any sharing will be seen as weakness. That was what they wrote. 
and, and how mail was so important. And as the numbers of people getting books increased, it became harder and harder for me to write a personal letter to each person and keep that book supply going to keep the relationship going. So I came up with an idea of a theme topic. Every month there's a theme to write on. And if you wrote on that theme, you would get a copy of what everybody else wrote. So here in this current edition of the newsletter, which was online, you can see the upcoming themes are tricky business, or another one's called a close call. For October, it's called sisters. Flying is is uh, November. My body is December. So I think that finding inspiration is January 2020. So they get a listing of the themes. And if they write a theme, they get a copy of what everybody else wrote. And I started that 10, 15 years ago with this theme project. And, what, and then I would mail out a packet of themes to each person. And at that time, there were only like 15, 20 people participating. But what happened really surprised me. As they read one another's themes, I started getting like, oh, I'm not going crazy. They think just like I do. I'm in a crazy-making place. And there's a real difference between thinking you're going crazy and thinking you're in a crazy-making place. Because in a crazy-making place, you can go, what resources do I have to get through this in a healthy way? When, 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 when you're going crazy, there's not a lot of resources. You're going crazy. The second thing they started noticing is, oh, you know, I thought I hated all black people or yellow people or white people or purple people or Jews or Christians. But actually, what these people are writing is just what I'm writing, feeling. And like, oh, I have more in common with everybody than I thought because I, I think exactly what they're thinking. I don't care what their race or religion is. And Have you really had people tell you that? All the time. All the time. Now, it, it's really, in fact, when I first started the program, there was so much hate in all the letters. And as they keep reading each other's writing, the hate, there's still people. I have a little file here of objectionable and problematic content. Whenever I flag a letter that is just full of hate, I put it here with the idea of we're going to do a project one day where we're going to find the, the kind of person these people hate to write them a friendly letter and see what happens, you know. But we're still acquiring those letters. So, but we don't acquire them, and they're often by the same three or four people now you know you know there are always people who just are full of hate but the majority of people recognize the commonality and then the thing that was really fun was that they said oh I so appreciate the vulnerability that person shared that's so brave in their stories I want to do that too so people became more vulnerable they became more accepting of one another and they realized they weren't going crazy yeah, this program is astounding. Even in prison, people are becoming gentler. From one letter to 40 to 50, now to tens of thousands every year. They can't write a personal letter to everyone, but they do guarantee that every letter is read. If you submit a poem, you'll receive a copy of the anthology. And if you're interested in chess, they'll send you paper pieces and a board and lessons. Prisoners play chess by calling moves to each other across their separate cells. And Gary says all of this helps prisoners actually connect with each other. We have a journal project. If you look in these file cabinets, and I know no one can see this, but you're going to go, whoa, every one of these is full of people who are keeping journals for a year. And there's over two or 300 people now who keep journals. 
And again, it helps them because when you're in prison, your mind often goes around and around and around and you perseverate on the same thoughts and eventually it's like a drain and you spiral down. But when you start writing it out, it gets a little more linear and people start to see cause and effect more instead of just kind of circling around in their head. At least one of those journals belongs to David Gordon. Today, David is waiting to get his house arrest anklet removed. Before this, though, he was incarcerated in a Texas prison in 1999. His pen pal at the time encouraged him to journal his experience, and he wanted to, but he only had about a two-foot-by-two-foot square of space to keep his things. There wasn't enough room. Then he opened a letter from... Then one day, he opened a letter from Gary Fine at Prisoner Express asking if he'd be interested in their journal and poetry projects. If he wrote a journal and mailed it in, they'd hang on to it for him at Cornell. It was a godsend for David. Being able to write such things, being able to get the emotion out, is what clears your mind so that that way you can focus and do what needs to be done. And Prisoner Express was huge in helping me to be able to go beyond this to be able to understand that there is hope. There are people that care. And it's like Gary and all the crew up there sending books and filing all of the the writings and poems and stuff that was, that was enormous because I've truly had nobody in prison. And I think I've written over a hundred stories and poems on lots of poems If you'd like, I can share one or two of them with you. That would be wonderful, yeah. Okay. Well, it gets kind of emotional. Sure, sure. I I would imagine so. I'm sorry. There was a trauma involved in all this. Hang on. Sure, sure. Take your time. I was told that I was going to die in prison. Who told you and that? a lot of my friends were taken out in body bags because they didn't make it. The heat down here in the Texas prisons, unbelievable. And at the end, beginning of the year, we would kind of pick and choose, you know, this guy's not going to make it, this guy's not going to make it. And then right there at the end, my name was on the list. And it was like, it was a horrible experience. But it's like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of emotion in this, but back in, um, I think it was right at the very beginning, my sister had a birthday, and I wanted to send her a birthday present. I'm sorry. No, no. I wanted to back up on all of this, but all I could do was write her a poem, and I, I wrote her a poem, and it was called Our Family Tree, and if I can get through this, I'll sure try. There was a branch that sprung a sprig. The sprig it sprung, it wasn't big. But upon that sprig, a leaf did sprout. It gave the sprig a cause to shout. Hey, look at me, look what I've done. I grew a leaf where there once was none. So then a crowd came round to see the shouting sprig up in the tree. They stood in awe and disbelief that such a sprig could sprout a leaf. But when in time a wind did blow, the tree did creak and the branch did bow. The sprig held tightly to its leaf. A sudden crack filled the sprig with grief. The branch from which the sprig had sprung had broken down and lowly hung. Oh, no, not me. This cannot be. The sprig shouted, Why, God, me? And then a voice came soft and still. My little sprig, it is my will. 
the spriggate thought can worried haste, but look my leaf, it's such a waste. A wind did blow and the sound of a rush, the voice of God came down in a hush. I see my little sprig, I see your leaf, and in my heart I feel your grief. You cried to me of the leaf in your hand, but never a word about the branch where you stand. From it did you sprout, and from it came your health, but you claim the leaf as a work of yourself. So now that the branch is broken and low, spring forth the leaf by yourself, make it grow. The sprig saw his shame, and the leaf did it, it did fall. I'm sorry, my father, you're wise above all. I now see the truth, it's as clear as can be. The tree you created can stand without me. For as I was boasting of my little leaf, I never considered the tree underneath. But now that I see the end of my fate, help me, my father, before it's too late. The day turned to night, and the night into morning. The axeman arrived without any warning. He looked at the branch, bowing low to the ground. Perhaps we can save it. It looks fairly sound. With ropes he did tie it, and time it did mend. The sprig was amazed that this wasn't the end. And time the sprig grew, till one day it did shout, Look upon me, a new sprig it did sprout. And when the crowd gathered, they started to dance, for God turned that sprig into a strong branch. Now this poem's a story of a sprig in a tree, but this poem's a lesson of your brother, me. I once stood so tall and in pride I did shout, hey, look at me, see what I'm all about. But then came that day when I heard that sharp crack, my life spiraled downward with no clear way back. I fell to my knees crying, why God, why me? It took me some time to realize my tree. For I was that sprig with a leaf in my hand, a wretched excuse in the form of a man. But now my leaf's gone, and I carries up at you. I pray to our Father in earnest, I do. For one day I'm certain that axeman will come. His axe will be sharpened, and my heart will be numb. But what if this axeman brings me a strong rope? Is there really a chance or a reason to hope? Could he lift up my branch and restore my health in spite of the damage that I caused myself? Until that day comes, my eyes will look low, never forgetting the branch down below. But hope will abound, and while here I'll grow strong, and soon be restored to where I belong. For the sprig you once knew when all this began has grown into a branch in the form of a man. I give you my strength and all that you see, and I pray God restores me to our family tree. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for reading that. Oh, it's beautiful. Wow. It's beautiful. I really felt I had no hope in there. I felt that it was vain. It was all just a waste of time because I knew that there was a body bag with my name on it. So, but things didn't turn out that way, and I don't want to be all depressed and all that stuff. Were you able to have any contact with family at all? I could, but since my wife had decided to marry somebody else, she basically cut me off from my own children. Mm. And so which was another aspect of Prisoner Express, is that while I was writing the journal, it was like writing letters to my children. And so even though they couldn't hear it, it was like someday maybe they would. And then in 2012, some almost 10 years later, I get a letter from a little girl named Jessica, which is my younger daughter. And she said, Dear Mr. Gordon, she's like, I'm going to college to be a doctor. And I was, she has a, a creative writing class and she says I remembered that my dad used to write stories for all of us and I got on the internet and I googled him and I found some stories with your name on them and your name is the same as his and she said could you be my dad and it's like I mean that was devastating my own daughter didn't even know that I was still alive in prison but it was like 
if I hadn't had Prisoner Express, she would have never found me. Wow. Have Have you gotten to meet her in person? Yeah, she came to visit me, and of course she had grown. Ten years is a long time in a child's life, and it's like I walked right past her in the visitation room, and when I walked right past her, I didn't see her. I felt her. It's like it, it's like a hunk of my heart was sitting there. And I turned around, and I looked at her, and in her face I could see every family member that we have. You know, her, you know, her, her brother's eyes, her mother's nose, you know, her other brother's, you know, silly little smirky smile. And it was like, wow. These stories, these poems, these journals are also transforming the people writing the letters back. One student worker says she connects deeply with these poems and journal writings because she's struggled quite a bit in her own life. Her mom left their family, her sister was arrested, her dad lost his business, and all of this made things way tense at their home. But she had people who didn't give up on her and encouraged her to keep going. Now she wants to show that hope to other people. And with each journal she reads, she looks toward her law degree to act on behalf of people who struggle too. Former CTA Executive Director Phil Snyder said that transformation finds its way in daily, face-to-face, or letter-to-letter interactions. This myriad of small encounters that enable us, step-by-step, to move forward. It's the blessing of smallness, the blessing of transience and unpredictability that make these encounters unrecoverable as events of note, Yet their unheroic quality is the backbone of the sustained effort necessary for good work. prisoners' journals are archived at Cornell University for researchers to use as primary source material. That's our show for today. Join us next time for a look at another group trying to find and teach ways to have more respectful and productive conversations to bring about transformation in communities. We'll meet up at an organization dedicated to a legend of the civil rights movement, Dorothy Cotton. In Between Places is brought to you by the Center for Transformative Action. And if you've got an idea for innovative social change, reach out. We cannot wait to hear from you. Contact CTA at centerfortransformativeaction.org. The show is written, edited, and produced by Monica Sandresky. Special thanks to Cornell Media Relations for production assistance. Music today by Ephemia Weeps and Kylo Kaz. Thank you.